Hey listeners, Troy here. Welcome to the AC Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Do you know someone who has big questions about Christianity? You may be wrestling with big questions yourself, or you may know a deconstructing young adult, a skeptical but seeking person, or even an ex-evangelical. Well, Northview Community Church is opening a space each Wednesday from April 18th to May 16th, which is specifically designed for those who are doubting or have big questions about the Christian faith. Listen, this is not a place for hostile debate, nor a place intended for mature believers necessarily to gain more knowledge, but rather a place where men and women with doubts, hangups, barriers, and or questions about Christianity can process them without judgment. Andy Steiger, the president of Apologetics Canada, will be leading this group. So if you're interested, head to ApologeticsCanada.com slash events and sign up for Questioning Christianity. Once again, this will be held from April 18th to May 16th, starting at 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. at Northview Community Church. That's 32040 Downs Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. That's all for me. Now enjoy the episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I'm here today with Wes. It's just a dynamic duo. How we doing, man? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, the, uh, I don't know, has it ever been just you and I? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's been a long time uh, if, if we have. Right. But it's good. It's good. Andy's off in the, uh, well, the Stigers as a family, they're off, what, hiking the Amazon jungle or something crazy? That they do. Yeah, probably riding on the back of rhinos or whatever. I don't know. Honestly, I can't keep up with their adventures. <laughs> they do these things. They do these things that no one else is going to do. Like, I am not going to venture into the Amazon because I've seen too many movies. It's true. That's it. Going going uh, places that not too many other people have gone before. Speaking of going places that not too many people have gone before, we're going to be talking about technology. Smooth transition. And GPT. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I was thinking about this earlier, Troy. We're probably the 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 right people of the AC team to do this because being the two youngest members of the AC team, we grew up being very young with little to no technology being involved yep. in everyday life to it just permeating slowly. Like there's a slow fade. I think we might be the last generation to have experienced both basically no technology and then yeah. an influx of just a proliferation of technology i don't think people like the generation z generation z i don't know what you want to call them they can't necessarily say that can they no i would say that we were the last generation that willingly went outside and played <laughs> <laughs> I, re I remember telling my my wife just the other day i mean i was talking about growing up in the city she grew up on a farm but growing up in the city you know, what was the unanimous, uh, in my community anyway, the unanimous signal that I needed to be home was either lunchtime or the streetlight coming on at yeah, night. That's true. Apart from that, all I needed to do was tell my parents where I was. If I went to a different house, I needed to call them immediately, let them know where I was so that they could, you know, uh, get a hold of me if they needed to. But then, you know, you call back when you had those landlines, the newer technology the newer phone technology for the landline was being able to call and that number would save in your parents' phone <laughs> at home. But my kids, man, the idea of trying to get them to stay outside for eight hours, no chance. No chance. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's that axiom that, uh, that we used to go to technology to escape real life, and now we go to real life to escape technology. And that, that like, right. reverse just shows you how prevalent technology and how we occupy ourselves, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think, what do we have? I remember AOL being a thing. Uh, I remember it was MSN, the MSN messenger. And then I remember when Hotbot was the main <laughs> search engine. Yeah. Well, you remember Hotbot? Hotbot. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves is where it was at. We all used to go on Ask <laughs> Jeeves. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, we had a family cell phone. It was one of those flip phone Nokias. And oh, yeah. it was funny. I saw Bricks. this video the other day and this person was reviewing a video on Instagram where this, uh, like, I don't know how old, just teenager basically was saying it'd be so much more healthy if we all if each family just had one phone and it just stayed in their house and it couldn't go outside and then it flips to someone who's reviewing this video and they're like hold on she's she's talking about a home phone it's like how old am i talk about a landline? how old am i that people don't know what home phones are <laughs> so we're going to be talking about chat gpt what is chat yeah. gpt troy why don't you why don't you spell it out for us ChatGPT is an artificial intelligence chatbot developed by OpenAI and launched in November 2022. It is built on top of OpenAI's GPT 3.5 and GPT 4 families of large language models and has been fine-tuned in an approach to transfer learning using both supervised and reinforcement learning techniques. So essentially, you know, listening to a couple of people talk about it, it has been programmed and given access to the internet basically ha has full reign, but there are some, they've given it some tweaks and parameters so that it's not necessarily learning, but the database is constantly growing for the sake of, as it says, reinforcement of learning techniques. So on paper, it sounds like really, really good. And I know that, and I absolutely believe there's pluses. So if, given a prime example for me as an artist you're doing a i'm running a social media campaign right and anyone could really do this i could go on chat gpt right now and say give me a a three-week social media campaign around branded re you know rethinking identity about an identity series and i could type that into chat gpt and it would work on it for me it would give me some ideas and then if i didn't like it it has this opportunity that says regenerate response and I've never actually followed the trail of how long it goes, but you could just keep regenerating options because you got to think of it for a second. It's, it has literally got everything that has ever been submitted on the internet. And it's taking cues from the words you use to the way you type, to the topics, to the descriptions, to render its results. I think I've seen some funny kind of utilizations of this with, uh, I watched this video where this couple planned their entire wedding using chat GPT where they were like, okay, Oh my gosh, give me, uh, what I want is what the type of flowers that we should be using. And then they wrote both of their vows by using chat GPT. There's kind of like input some, here is my fiance's name. Here is my, a few of my fiance's <laughs> likes. And then they auto generated their, their vows. Now, obviously that's, that's a bit of a crazy example. Right. And I think right. if I'm trying to be optimistic, I hope what something like ChatGPT or whatever the iterations are that come out of this down the road, what they end up doing is they end up kind of sifting through all of the bad information online and giving people something that's a little bit more accurate. And what I mean by yeah. that is 
I'm constantly interacting with people online who are telling me things about whether it's Christian history or theology or the Bible that are just like flat out wrong, <laughs> right? That they're like, well, you know, well, when Constantine uh, made up Christ at the Council of Nicaea, and you're like, you, you this is stuff that is not hard to find. <laughs> like you're you're going to conspiracy theories because those are the first few things that pop up on Google. What I'm hoping is that something like ChatGPT and maybe I'm being naive on this, can sift through all of that nonsense and give you something a little bit more concrete. Where that gets dangerous is, I think, is how the algorithm is designed to figure out what it wants to tell you. Because we all know that language can be altered by spin and can make something right. sound one way or be slanted another way. And if we're going to places like ChatGPT, Instead of maybe traditional avenues of learning, that can also go awry pretty quickly. So I want to be positive. I want to be positive and say that right. this can course correct the mountains of nonsense that exist online. But at the exact same time, I do think we need to be worried, at least to some degree, and take that information with a grain of salt, because someone is programming something somewhere. That's pretty specific, isn't it? Some someone is programming something somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, th think about this for a moment. I was on I was on Twitter just yesterday, and so they, with ChatGPT, they've been trying to run different tests to see what it is capable of, and or just or just AI in general. And what they did was they wanted to see if AI had the ability to essentially pretend it was a human being. So they wanted to get this AI to sign up for something, but it was so it was going through this process of signing up for something, generating an identity, this, that, and the third. And then it ran into a captcha. It ran into the prove you're not a robot thing. So what it did, oh my gosh, man, this is what set me off. It, it ended up calling a internet, an, an online uh, service provider or something along those lines to assist it in signing in, presenting itself like it wasn't just wasn't capable of doing it itself. And so it gets walked through through this chat bot conversation with a real person and has this conversation where this person ends up helping them set get set up for whatever it was. Now, the human being jokingly messages them saying, uh, like, ha, 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 are you sure you're not a bot just trying to get me to da, 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 da. And the, the, the AI ended up messaging back saying, no, I'm not a bot. I'm actually, uh, I actually have a, a speech impediment. Uh, so it makes it difficult for me to, it makes it difficult for me to articulate my words when I'm typing or something along those lines. The person believed them, got them through. At that point, I'm like, unplug the router. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god! Once it starts asking you to help it find John Connors, then you're you're really in trouble, right? Listeners, I will I will add it to the to the the podcast notes on our website because it, it was one of those moments where I'm just like, okay, this is where the ethical conversation of it really comes in, and you know, all the people that we just say, hey man, you're a conspiracy theorist, you're you're, you've seen way too many movies. Okay, Will Smith is not going to come and save us. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, you know, 
Yeah. Well, and and for the the listener, um, maybe if you're listening down the road uh, to this, this is March twenty second, twenty twenty three. So maybe we'll say things, and you know, Chat GPT will go the way of uh, what well, Meta, which we talked about what almost the year ago, over a year ago, uh, when when we were all together on our our staff retreat, and there were all sorts of concerns yep. about Meta people, you know, just plugging in for the rest of their lives, and a lot of that has basically come to nothing. Now, I think this yep. is a little bit more influential, or at least far reaching, than something like Meta. I think someone like Mark Zuckerberg wanted Meta to be more all encompassing, but yep. Uh, I think, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was a breakdown of the numbers of people who had signed up for ChatGPT in a certain amount of time compared to things like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of those. And ChatGPT got to their numbers within like a week that they took years to get. So it's, it's interesting. I think at least as of right now, as of March 22nd, 2023, everything that I've been experimenting with ChatGPT on and asking it questions what I'm seeing more so, and I, this I'm sure will be improved as different iterations come out, I'm seeing a regurgitation of information rather than actual critical thinking. And I think maybe right. that's where at least I feel like there's some saving grace. Because a lot of my friends in the world of academia are really talking about this seriously in terms of students submitting um, papers. Because let's talk about right that. <laughs> now, right now, the, the kind of standard format is if you submit a paper online, uh, at least with most universities that I'm aware of, this certainly happens at the University of Toronto, where I occasionally uh, am a teacher's assistant for, they submit the paper and it automatically goes through something called Turnitin. And Turnitin is a program that scans the internet and tries to find the similar wording that is in across the internet, so across ebooks and websites and blogs, whatever, and tells you a percentage of how much it correlates to what the student has written in the paper. And so this percentage goes up and down because if people put in quotes or whatever, you know, there are common words and the are always going to appear. But with something like ChatGPT, that can't necessarily be caught by something like exactly. like turn it in because as you said Troy it's going to give you something different each time and it's although i do think it's true that it's not going to critically think through the material let's be honest in undergrad was i really critically thinking i don't know <laughs> probably not yeah let, come i was on. <laughs> i was i was i was just regurgitating information right like i was just saying what yep. what i thought now you were doing the work. Yeah, listen. I'm sure there are undergraduate students out there who are listening to this, and they're like, "No, nah, I'm better than that." And I grant that. I'm sure you were better. I was a terrible student during my undergraduate years. Um, <laughs> but I think the problem is that in programs like undergraduate degrees, especially within the humanities, my undergraduate degree was in sociology, and if this was available, I have no doubt that people in my classes would have been using it to well i mean we used cole's notes in elementary yeah, school we did, we did. right like the amount of times i did not even read a full book here's my man oh my is this, gosh is this confession I, time I, sure <laughs> if we want to call it that like when i was in when i was in university i was very good at at skim reading and to be completely honest a lot of times the liter the literature that we were given 
uh, I will respectfully say, did not have tons of depth. Mm. So I could read, I, what I would do is I'd read the first two pages of every chapter and the last two. And then I would literally formulate my thoughts based on that because I was trying to just get to the next assignment. Like, you know, a university student, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to, really, you're just trying to get through what feels like the day. Yeah. At one point, it was trying to get through the year. But it's like, let me just get through the day, you know, during finals week when you still have quizzes and then you have your final. And then, God forbid, you have any extracurriculars or a significant other. Yeah, for sure. You're just trying to get through the day. And so something like Jet GPT is already in full effect. I was speaking with a lady in Saskatoon and she's like, now I have students turning in papers that sound good and coherent. But because I know the student, Mm. I know that. I know that they use chat GPT and my students are kind of laughing because they're like, well, you actually can't prove that because student, these kids aren't dumb. You know, these are high school students. They're like, well, there's, there's no rules against it apart from you ethically not liking it. Mm. And it's not in a position where you really want to get a person's parents involved, right? You don't want to create a a huge firestorm because, but I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to start seeing, lawsuits potentially happen on either side where the parent is saying, Hey, my student is just using a tool that's at, at hand and completing the assignment. You were at, you asked them to complete the assignment when it comes down to the actual test. If they can pass the test, does it matter? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I could see, I can already see that argument coming up because really what it comes down to is, can you show your work? Well, if the student is able to finish the paper, hand it in and it's a quality paper, uh, because they got it from they got it from AI. There's still a level of it, and I, and listeners, I I, I want to preface this by I'm not saying use this for your papers, but what I am saying is you still have to be very strategic and specific in what you want it to give back to you. Mm-hmm. So you still have to know what you're telling it. Exactly, and I think this mind frame started decades ago with things like Wikipedia. When we have such a proliferation yep. of information, we know. A little about a lot, but we don't know a lot about a little. And we, I mean, let's be honest. I have like the world's access to information in my pocket. And that's, that's going to affect if we don't know something, what do we do? We pull out our phones and we, we look it up and there's a, an amazing beauty to that. Uh, There's also a huge danger to that where it's almost like we turn off the part of our brain that desires to remember things and mm-hmm. staring at endless screens it certainly doesn't do any wonders for our attention spans but i wonder and i think this is nope. where it relates to something like the christian life or like ministry or or church life uh in a world that's invaded by computers and smartphones and uh apps and and all that i think in a high tech world the solution might be a high touch ministry Mm. because I think one of the things, I mean, I remember I actually wrote a paper on this in undergrad, maybe one of the only papers that I, I shouldn't say that I'm selling myself short. I I wrote a paper, one of the, one of the few papers that I actually enjoyed writing where I argued basically that the solution to uh, a world where we only communicate through texting was um, organized sports because you can't text when you're on the field or you can't text your coach. Although you could argue you could text your coach nowadays with online coaching um, and video and stuff. But 
I think where that relates to the Christian life is that we're created for community and we have this yep. influx, this kind of avalanche of communication, but it hasn't made us closer to people. It's actually made us farther apart. And, yep. and the solution to that, I think, is, as I said, in a high-tech world, we need a high-touch mindset where we yep. force ourselves and this is why something like church is so important. We force ourselves to be in yep. community, to be in fellowship with one gathering another. Gathering of the saints. Yeah. Do not do not forsake the the gathering as as some are in the habit of doing. Like when I think the author of Hebrews says that, I think he's touching on the fact that we are created ultimately for community, community with our creator, but community with one another. And yeah. these types of technologies, I think there's a danger to them. There's also kind of a, a very exciting unknown to them. But at the end of the day, the, the algorithms and the AIs, they're not going to feed problems like loneliness. If anything, they're, mm. well, I guess feed them in the wrong direction, right? Well, well I was going to say, there's, there's already AIs in, you know, the intimacy market. Mm. You know, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm using that way of saying it, right? There, there are AIs that, like companion AIs that already exist. And I don't even need to know the names of any of them. Like I couldn't give you a single name of them, but I already, I just know that they exist, yeah. right? Um, and this has been going on for a long, long time, man. Like I remember being introduced to uh, a, a game when I was younger called, I, it was called IMVU. And what it was, um, was I got to create a character. I got to create an avatar on the internet and uh and you know you get your person in the and you can dress them up however you want them to look and then there's these a plethora of chat rooms or whatever and you get to walk around with your with your person and just chat with people like so you just go and say i wanted to go to a soccer field so they'd have a room that looks like a soccer field you would sit down on the bench or they'd have some moving things but i could be talking with people all over the world having literally no idea who they were but I remember, man, I remember even like people asking, hey, you want to be my girlfriend? I'm like, I'm sorry. Or my boyfriend? I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and I remember ended, you know, eventually deleted it. But I know friends that were on it for a long time because it's super intriguing, right? Like you could have conversations with people all over the world. You could dress yourself up however you wanted to. And it just goes, it goes again to show you like, man, as you said, that that high touch relational ministry is so crucial nowadays because people have more than enough reasons to stay home because they think they're receiving what they need to. Mm. And now when you look at something like, like chat GPT, like I, I, it can absolutely be used for good. But the problem is, is it is regurgitating other people's ideas in the sense that creativity is actually being destroyed. Mm. You know, th that's the danger of it. Because here's the here's the reality. I was talking with uh, my wife just the other day. When I'm looking to a social media campaign, I went on ChatGPT. I'm like, hey, some ideas of doing this. And I look at it, look at their ideas. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But I took was able to take that idea, tweak it and make it my own and go do my own thing. Mm. I could have done that by just going to regular Google. But the problem is not everyone is going to want to make it their own. And I think that's part of the the challenge I have with it is as much as we could get into saying our you know kids aren't going to have they're going to lose their ability to critical think da, da 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 let's be honest 
they've been saying that about high school, university age people for generations. Like people are losing their ability to critically think. Well, and that's been going on forever. I mean, forever. Socrates that's decried reading because he thought that it would make people lazy in memorizing things. So we can go into the BC era if we want to find right. examples of people who decry. Yeah, and that's what I mean when I uh, was said earlier that technology is is relatively neutral. I think how we make yeah. it into a good or an ill is by the way that we use it and how we how we aim in our motivations to use it. So it's something like money, right? Yeah. Money can be a really g good thing. It can help people. It can support people. We can use it for missions and helping our families. And, you know, uh, all my money goes to uh, hungry children, right? My hungry children in particular. Um, and yeah. uh, and th that's a good thing. But it can also, you know, fund crime. And it can be used for all sorts of ills. But I think you're exactly right, Troy. Yeah. You know, when I when I look at this, what I see is just an accentuation of people that are drowning in fear, fear of rejection, fear of not knowing. Hmm. And so we're creating systems that are going to make a person feel as though they're not they're they're not falling behind, right? So you think about the kid who has a hard time writing a paper. But he went to school because for, what, for whatever reason, whether he's going there because he's feeling pressure at home or he's going there because he just wants to do something with his life or he's really pursuing something. But he's feeling like he's, he may be falling behind because school is hard. God forbid. And something happens in school and you're trying to focus. And then something like chat GPT comes across his lap and they're going to use it, even though they may be capable of writing a paper because they're, they're afraid of falling behind. They're afraid of not of missing the mark. And so I ultimately just feel like this just comes back to our, our spiritual daddy issues, man, where, where we, there's this, just this longing for approval, this longing for, hey, great job, forsaking the well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm. Faithfulness is not, doesn't come easy. Faithfulness is not something that I can just type in. Sure, I could type in, hey, 10 ways to be faithful. And chat GPT. But then I got to live it out. Yeah. I still got to do the work. I still, right? And this is the, the, the problem with it is we treat the Bible like chat GPT. Mm. Okay, this issue's going on. I'm going to go to, what does the Bible say about this? Now, let's be honest. We all do it. We all do it, right? What does the Bible say about this? We take that response. We take the, the passages of scripture. We formulate our rebuttals. We formulate our arguments. And we go and throw it at our, our counterpart. We go and throw it at the people that we're arguing with. As if, ha, see, this is what it says. So you got to change. But this is why I think it's the gospel is so countercultural in its nature. Because the Pharisees, I, I, I look at it like this. The Pharisees were treating the Bible like chat GPT. Well, this is what it says. So that's what you're supposed to do. But God was like, okay, what does fulfilling that really look like? Mm. Because you're right. It does say that. But what, what does it really look like to walk in that? Right. Yeah, exactly. You, you have heard it said, but I say to you, right? Well, what was Jesus referring yeah. to? Well, he, he wasn't talking about the scripture when he said, you have heard it said. He was talking about the ways that the Pharisees were adding to the scriptures with their traditions on top of what scripture said. And then he would say things that was re 
reinstating and reinstilling the original intention. And I, I often wonder, and I think to a certain degree, when you read the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus says things like, uh, you've heard it said, do not commit murder, but I say to you, anyone who uh, hates his brother has commit murder in his heart, that kind of thing. I think he's not necessarily introducing something new. I think he's actually reintroducing what that commandment meant all along. And he's he's elevating right. it, but in the elevation, he's going back to what the actual intention was. I really liked what you said there before. Yeah. It reminded me of uh, the 20th century thinker G.K. Chesterton has this uh, line. I think it's attributed to him. I don't know if I've ever actually uh, hunted it down, but the line- I'll ask ChatGPT later. Yeah, that's right. We'll figure it out. ChatGPT will tell us. <laughs> um, that the, the man walking into the brothel is searching for God in his uh, talking mm. about worship. You know, it's not about do you worship, it's about what you worship. Because Absolutely. we're cre creatures created to worship, and we're always going to look for that somewhere. And that could be technology. It could be kind of yeah. this, this faux version of connectivity with an AI or with mm -hmm. a you know person on a screen without truly relationally ever knowing them or seeing them. And, and, and I think that speaks to the fact that we are we are creatures created for connection. We're creatures created for connection yep. because we were created to be in connection and communion with our father in the garden. And that's been yeah. broken. And so in that brokenness, we're always going to be searching to find that in something else. You know, it could be, yeah. like Chesterton says, the man walking the brothel. Um, it could be drugs and alcohol. It could be pornography. It could be uh, success. Could could be money. Uh, there are all sorts of things and and things that aren't even necessarily as destructive as those things that I've mentioned, things that might be more mundane. But if we're replacing yeah. God with those things, well, that's still idolatry. It's still trying to seek after our heart's desire to connect with mm -hmm. our creator in something or someone else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love, just as you were talking, I was reminded of but just something Jesus says and the difference between, as we were saying already, hearing it, re reading it, and actually walking it out. Jesus gives us the perfect example in Luke 4. Um, this is just, this is probably the, one of the most gangster comments that, that Jesus ever says. And Lord, forgive me if I can't call you gangster. But he says uh, in Luke 4, starting at 20, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Like that, there, there's a difference. You know, there, there's a difference between knowing, knowing certain amounts of information and truly being the embodiment of what your convictions really are, right? There, there's a big difference. I could read a whole bunch of Google passages uh, study for weeks and <laughs> Google passages, Google uh, links and things like that about a specific topic and just get on the podcast and just utter it, right? And just share it. And, and people will be like, oh, great, that's wonderful information. But that doesn't make me a doctor. It doesn't make me a doctor because I have not embodied what it takes to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. I have not gone through the process of education. I have not gone through uh, a practicum. I have not lived out the role of doctor 
And then you wonder why people go through their lives trying to accomplish all these different things, but they've never actually spent time doing, really, really doing the work. And I think this is where things like chat GPT, as we've, we've said many times over, um, know what you're using it for. You know, we're not going to sit on here to tell you you can or can't use it. As I've said, I've, I've used it. But know what you're using it for. Don't let it take the place of the God-given creativity that you already have, right? He has given you his gift of creativity. And to forsake that and give it to an algorithm, to give it to put it in the hands of somebody else who went and used their God-given creativity. I think there's incredible uses for it. Based on my own love for technology in a certain way, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with it. But be mindful and be be safe with it. There, you know, maybe the, for the parents out there that aren't aware, there is an aspect of ChatGPT called Dan. And I just say this towards the end of this podcast because your your kids may be using it, right? And essentially, what Dan is is a it's basically a backline, like anything on the internet. It's a backdoor um, to ChatGPT, which basically says dan stands for do anything now chat gpt as of right now has safeguards so that i mean you can't search up how to hurt somebody or how to do something horrible but it's really easy to get around it i've never actually gone and typed anything in because i don't need that showing up on my internet algorithms (laughs) i don't need anybody showing up at my door but like anything, use wisdom and discernment because there's backdoors to everything. There's backdoors to TikTok. There's backdoors to Snapchat, Instagram, um, B Reels, everything. Just use wisdom because it, as, as scripture says, yeah, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And so that you need to have wisdom in, uh, in, in how you're using things. Yeah. We recognize that these things are out there and, uh, we we do need to be um wise as serpents and uh, we also need to be innocent as doves and so i yeah. think that there's there's a wisdom and a knowledge to seeing that these things have beneficial properties and we can use them yep uh they're a tool but i think you're you're right troy in pointing out that we can't let them use us we can't Absolutely. we can't let them take the priority. And even the fact, I think we can speak to something in our culture of this idea that this speaks to even the creative minds of humanity, that we are able to come up with these incredible technologies and that that comes from an ordered mind. And our yep. ordered minds also point back to uh, an even greater order mind, an unmoved mover, a, a mind that exists outside of time and space that operates as our uh, moral compass and um, divine originator. And so I think these yeah. things like chat GPT, they're interesting. Uh, I'm not ready to, you know, throw in the towel and start digging the bunker quite yet. Um, yeah, exactly. but I, I think it, all of these things present really unique opportunities to talk to people around us about what's going on in our world, about the creative forces of humanity and how that points to this leading to a creator and then all the other things we've talked about of worship, of purpose, of meaning, of intention and morality and destiny. And these are things that we can latch onto as Christians, um, but also recognizing that uh, 
the dangers of these are that they are going to, to some degree or another, if we're leaning on them more than we should be, they're going to be creating rifts. And so, like I said before, um, let's be in as much community as possible now more than ever that it's, it's getting harder and harder to be, let's be that example to the world where we are people who love one another in person, face to face, you know, inviting people over to our houses, fellowshipping over food, uh, over song, over um, the teaching of the word. Uh, the, the, there's a unique opportunity for the body of Christ to speak into our culture in these types of environments and places. Well, thank you listeners for joining us on the AC podcast. We are a ministry. So if you would like to support us in any fashion, feel free to reach out to us at info at apologeticscanada.com. We'd love to hear from you. Interact with us on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Starting very soon, you're going to be seeing us upload a podcast a month uh, on our YouTube. We're really excited to be moving over to that platform because we want to be where the people are. But until next time, love God, love people. Bye for now. Love God, love people, love people, love people.